about developing a lifestyle of the presence of God. And it's so important that we do this. Um, last week I talked about how, how many believers, and I've had that in my life too, where I've gone up and down and that, that I've, I've focused more on uh, the things of this world, things that I see here, and not really being led by the Spirit of God. I can be more led by circumstances, what's going on. I can be happy one hour and sad the next, you know. How many of you guys have ever been there before? And, uh, and so I've, I understand that, what's going on, and I know it's because I need to develop in my life, and especially in some of those areas where I follow very, the presence of God. The presence of God is so important. And the danger in, in Christianity um, that we a lot of times don't hear about is the danger is, is that we get saved, and that's pretty much it. That doesn't mean that we don't try to follow God or anything, but we don't realize that His presence is supposed to be active in our life. And so a lot of Christians can go through their life without ever engaging the Holy Spirit in their life, ever having an, an, an understanding, a relationship, a friendship with the Holy Spirit, and actually an empowering with the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.14 says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. And so there is supposed to be an active part of the presence of God, the Spirit of God, that is supposed to play out in our lives. And so I talked about where Paul came about in the book of Acts. When Paul came about, these group of, of, of people who had been baptized, who were Christians, um, but had never heard the Holy Spirit. And that, to me, that is such a shame. Because there's such power, there's such anointing, there's such comfort, there's such love, there's such leading in the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives that we, a lot of times, never engage. See, when we are led by His presence, we're going to see our lives completely change. We're not going to have as much as those up and down uh, feelings that we go through and how we think and we view this life. And so we need to be consistent in, in being led more by the Spirit of God than our flesh. So we need to learn to how to allow the Spirit of God to lead us, to develop us, and to empower us to live this life on this earth. And it's not just for, just for you. It's actually also for others, all of, everyone around you. And so we need to learn that relationship. So living in the presence of God Really, we have to learn how does that happen because we, we really don't understand. It's really more about love than about and passion for the king than about knowledge. You know, one of the dangers I see a lot of times in Christians' lives is that we go, we search after knowledge, and we think knowledge is more important. We need to learn. We need to have revelation. But a lot, what happens is without loving the one we want to get to know, knowledge becomes very dangerous because knowledge can puff up then. Jesus dealt with a group of people called the Pharisees and Sadducees, and, and they were full of knowledge of God. They knew the law. They knew what the word that they had, the Bible that they had at that time. They had the knowledge of God, but they didn't know God. And so what did they do? They tried to control. They tried to... Um, uh, use people in that. And a lot, of peop a lot of believers can get in this trap where I'm reading my Bible, I'm learning, and I'm listening to messages online, but you don't really know Him well. In fact, a lot of times when we go online to look at messages, we pick and choose what we want to hear, right? 
So we're really doing it more selfishly than being led. And so we really don't really know the Spirit of God. And really, be honest with you, it is the Spirit of God that teaches you all things. I don't teach you. If it's not without the Spirit of God, this is all foolishness. The Spirit of God has to connect. That's why people can come up to me after a mess, right after a mess, message, say, Sean, I love what you said about this and this and this. And I'm thinking, I never said that. I never said one word of that. They did not listen to, no, they listened to the Holy Spirit, which is so important. And so we get in this trap. Now, don't get me wrong. Knowledge is great, and, and we do need to learn, and we need to study the Word. So don't get me wrong. But void of the Spirit of God, it becomes dangerous. And th- this is where we missed it. So let me give you an example of this. Turn to Luke. You're already there. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. This is the story of Mary and Martha. And it says here in verse 38, it says that Jesus and his disciples were on their way. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that he had, uh, had to be made. And so she came to Jesus. Now, how many guys, how many moms wake up every morning and can't wait for your kids to tell on each other? I mean, they, they tell, Mom, they're not doing what they're supposed to do, or they're, they're doing this to me. I mean, I have, I have a, a 12-year-old son and a 7-year-old little girl, and I have a 21-year-old. And they, if she was home, they would all complain about each other. And this is what's happening here with Jesus. But now Martha's not talking to just her mom. He, she's talking to the Son of God here. And so this is what she says. She says, she came to, the, came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And then Jesus said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. And that's just like a slam. See, Mary is at the feet of Jesus, and she is gazing in, at the Lord in awe of him. She's learning, she's listening, but she's getting to know the Savior, the Messiah. She's wanting not to know about him, but she's wanting to know who he is. And so we go on and, and turn to John chapter 11. A little bit later, Mary and Martha, they have a, they have a brother named Lazarus. And in verse and Lazarus dies. And here, here's the story. It says, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Verse 18, now Bethany was less than two miles away from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to, to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed home. Verse 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God, you will, God will give you whatever you ask. In verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and life. The one who believes in me will live even though they died. Whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? She said, yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into this world. Now, remember, this is after this time with Jesus. 
where she complained about Mary and says, Mary's doing the best part. She's doing what's needed. And here she comes and, and she goes to Jesus, listen, Lord, if you would have been here, my, my, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus says, hey, listen, I, I can do this. She said, I know he'll rise again at the last days, but no, 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 I am the resurrection and the life. And she, he asked her, do you believe this? Mary, I, I, I believe, uh, Martha said, I believe. I believe this. Yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you're Messiah, the Son of God, who's coming into this world. And after she had said this, verse 28, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. And look what she said. The teacher is here. She had a head knowledge that he was Messiah, but she didn't believe it in her heart. What she believed was a teacher. And she was right. He is a teacher, but he's much more. How many of you guys know he's much more than a teacher? And she said, he is asking for you. And when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. And now Jesus had not entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her, notice how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. And when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, look what she did. She fell at his feet. Very important. Listen, I don't, I don't know about you. When you see Jesus, don't just stand up and complain about your brother being dead. Fall at his feet. She knew something different than what Martha knew. She knew about the presence of God. She knew about the awe of the Son of God. She knew something totally different. Martha had, in a sense, a theological understanding. But she didn't have a heart understanding. She didn't understand the presence. And so she fell at his feet. She fell at his feet and said, Lord, same question. If you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Same statement that Martha made. But look what Jesus did. It was different. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along her also weeping, he was deeply moved in, in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. So here is two different examples of what happened. When you come to Jesus with a mindset, just a mind understanding, not a relationship, but a mindset, a theological mind, you're going to get a theological answer. That's what Martha got. But Mary had, an, had a relationship. She had a relationship with the Lord. Now, I don't think Martha was, would have been, in this case today, not saved here. Not a believer. But she didn't know God. She didn't know Him. But Mary knew Him. So I don't know about you. When something tragic happens to me, I don't really care about what you know. I want to see your love. I need what is in your heart. See, Martha received a teacher. Mary received the Father. Something totally different. She had intimacy. Intimacy with Jesus. The only way we can receive intimacy is knowing the Father. Is by living in His presence. Living in who He is. See, knowledge void of the presence of God makes us power, powerless and useful, useless. It makes us prideful because we focus on our ability to attain that knowledge. We focus on our ability to learn. 
and we become prideful in it. We become controlling, and we also become condemning, thinking that we are better than anybody else. And when that happens, there's no presence of God there. See, when the Holy Spirit is connected to knowledge, that's when it becomes living, it becomes life, it becomes abundant, it becomes a relationship. It's when you get it. It's not up here that counts. It's really up here, down in my heart, down in my spirit, that's connected to the Holy Spirit. And that's what becomes life-giving. That's when it becomes truth. And that's when knowing the truth will set you free. Because it consumes all that you are. All that you become because you have learned it from the heart, from a relationship, from an understanding, from a knowing. It's like one of some of the scariest verses in the Bible is Jesus talks about in Matthew 7. That when there will be people in the last days that will come to me and say, Lord, have I not done this for you? Have I not done this for you? And he says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. See, it's all about knowing him. Listen, do I need to study? Yes. Do I need to, to, to read the word? Do I need to have? Yeah, but it's based out of love, not because you want just to learn. It's first knowing who he is relationally. And that comes by the presence of God being activated in our life. The Holy Spirit is here. He's been poured out for you and I, not for us just to be witnesses. And that's definitely a powerful point. But it's us to be able to know him. See, it's not about, you know, how I know you. You're not in me and I'm not in you. But God is in me, and God is in you. The Holy Spirit's in us when we become believers. And guess what? That makes us can be intimate with each other in a, in a greater way than ever before of knowing God and knowing each other and being able to love each other and love God. See, God could have just said, here, you're forgiven, and there is nothing else. But he didn't want that. He wanted to become part of who we are. And a lot of times we don't ever realize that he's in here. The, the creator of the universe is not only lives in you, resides in you and I, but empowers us, not just to be witnesses, but empowers us to have a relationship with him like no one else can. Like I always look at all the things that happen in the Old Testament. These men did this and women did these things um, with the Holy Spirit coming upon them. We can do things because the Holy Spirit is in us, empowering us. So I want to talk to a little bit, just give you five points here about heart issues. To develop a lifestyle of the presence of God comes down to really spending time with the Lord, definitely. But to really develop some heart issue because this is what happens with us. When we don't have these issue, these heart, our heart right, the Spirit of God cannot move. And so Psalms 15, turn there. Psalms 15 says this, verse 1. It says, Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? The one who walks is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, 
whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor, who ca- and casts no slur on others, who despises a vile person but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath with even when it hurts and does not change their mind, who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent, who does these things will never be shaken. Man, I love that part, right? See, the psalmist is, encur- is an encouragement. The psalm is an encouragement and a motivator for me to stay in God's presence. So the psalm starts off um, with, this, with this condition, to have to walk blameless. And we know what Jesus did for us. And in the new covenant, our walk is blameless when we align ourselves with Jesus. So we have that covered. Not because we did it, but because he did it. And while we now have not only the, the ability to stay blameless, our, ca- our calling is not to abstain just from evil, but it's also act- to actively pursue doing good. Galatians 6, 9. says, let us not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. So we have to do good. We pursue righteousness. Righteousness, And again, everything's been provided for us through Jesus and his Holy Spirit enable us to do these things. But he, then he goes on, he reminds us, and he gives us some instructions on how to really have the presence of God operating in our life. I want this. And so I have to check my heart. God, am I, is my heart right? Am I doing what I'm supposed to do? Because this is what happens to us as believers. Our heart can get hardened in certain areas, and it really can stop the Lord from moving in our life, from being real in our life. Listen, if you do not feel the Lord and you don't have a, a, that moving of the Holy Spirit in your life, you need to check your heart today. I, I, when I was going through this message, I was checking my heart on some things. Because there's some times, man, I'm, I'm, man I, I feel the presence of God. I'm hearing His voice and, and I know He's with me. But there are some times in my life, even as a pastor, and don't look at me that way, that I don't feel anything. And I don't believe God's hiding from me. I believe there's something in my life that's stopping His presence from moving. And so here are five attributes of the heart that will allow us, if we get those right, will allow us, allow God free move in our life. Number one, it comes out of Psalms 15 here. There's one who loves truth. So if we want to enter into God's presence, we must love truth. Not love knowledge, love truth. Truth is really the foundation of all knowledge. It's what's right. God is all truth, and he highly values his truth in us. So we cannot experience the goodness of his truth when we block them within our lives. We need to reject all lies we hold. That comes contrary to what God says about who we are. And see, one of the, I think one of the major th- lies that we are that that stops the Lord from from His presence from moving our lives, and it's not that God He just He He can only work under your will, right? He can only choose. You, you know, you can only choose to allow Him to work. He He will not force you to work in your life. And so, what I have to do is I have to believe that I am the righteousness of God and that God does want to speak to me. He does want to empower me. He does want to comfort me. He does want to build me up. He does want to use me. He wants to empower me with everything that he has. 
I have to believe that truth that says in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And truth comes from the heart, not the head. And so you love that truth. You got to love the way what the word says about you and I. You got to love what the word says about how you should live, how you should speak, how you should talk, how you should act. You got to love that and, and love that. And when you start loving that, that allows, gives the, an avenue for the Spirit of God to work and to move in your life. And so when I am um, depressed, I have to realize, number one, why am I depressed? And am I believing a lie? What's the root of that depression? Am I believing a lie that I'm no good or I'm not capable? Because that's what usually happens with depressed people. It's about themselves. It's a, it's a personality. It's, a, it's, a, um, it's about who they are. And so I have to think, okay, why am I not? Because when I'm depressed, I don't, I don't feel the Spirit of God sometimes. How many of you guys have ever been depressed and have done that? It's like, it's like he's not even there. And I want to have this pity party, and I want to do, I just want to think about these things, and what is happening, I begin to believe a lie about myself that's not of God. And so if I love truth, I've got to love what God says above that lie. The problem is we begin to love the lies more than we love the truth. So I have to get myself out of that. When I begin to think about that and think, okay, what? I have to, and it takes, sometimes it takes, I'm a little slow. So it takes me a while because I'll, I'll go through hours or a couple, even a day or a couple days of being depressed. And I have to think, okay, finally, something rises up in me. I, I, I listen to it. What lie are you believing? And I realize this is a lie of the enemy because I am good enough. I am capable. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And I have to realize I have started loving the lie more than I love the truth. See, when you start loving some, the lies that this world has about you, the lies that the enemy has about you, it's hard for the Spirit of God to work in your life because you're listening to something else. So that's when you have to say, no. In Jesus' name. And you may not feel like it, and I don't understand that. But no, I love the truth, and this is what the truth says about me. And I start forcing myself to believe the truth. I start thinking on what Philippians 4.8, whatever is true, whatever is honest, what is good report, what is holy. And start loving the truth. One who loves the truth, can, and that's where the Holy Spirit can work and start moving in your life. And I begin to do that. And I get into worship, and I'm thanking the Lord, and something comes on me. Vision starts getting up in my life, and, and I begin to just change. It's so crazy how radical the change can be. One moment from depression and believing lies to the next moment of truth and having comfort by the Holy Spirit working in my life. So it's one who loves truth. The second thing is one who loves others. These attributes of the heart. The second attribute is that I love others. So if you want to be in God's presence continually, you need to love what God loves. And he loves you. He loves the person next to you. He loves the person behind you, in front of you. He loves the person you pass in your workplace. And even they may not even know the Lord. 
And maybe they did something terrible to you. He still loves them. And we have to understand that. God calls us to love Him and to love others. And how do we love others? We love them by honoring them, not taking advantage of them, protecting them with our words, caring for their needs. We love them. So when you're in a group of people or just one or two, and, uh, and they start talking bad about somebody else, and you're listening to them with, with them, you need to ask yourself, God, is this love? Is this honor? Because you know what? The Spirit of God is not in that place. He does not involve himself in gossip and talking bad about somebody else at all. That's not love. You have to ask yourself, is this love? Because, listen, I don't, I don't know if you understand this or not, and hopefully you do, that you and I cannot stand one second away from the presence of God. Because that one second could be a time where we make a mistake. Because you need Him. I need Him to be active in my life. And so when, when, when somebody starts talking about somebody else, I've got I've to say, and listen, I'm not perfect at this. Because, you know, we all have this thing, well, I just want to hear it so I can pray for them, that little lie. No. Is this honor to that person? I don't care if that person deserves it. And what you, we need to do, and we need to get better at this as, as believers, is say, you know what? That's not honoring to that person, and I want to honor that person. I want to honor the Lord. And so we're going to pray for that person right now, and we're going to pray for us because we need it too. Amen? We love people by honoring them. We love them by not taking advantage of people, protecting them with our words, caring for their needs. You know, Psalms here twice mentions the need to guard our words with others. And probably because that's where the area most people struggle with. So we need to build up with our words. And so loving is not just saying I love people. It's actually action. How do you love people? How are you living out love? Listen, I think this is one of the strongest things that will stop the presence of God from moving in our life. Is if we do not participate in love. If we're complaining. Listen, complain to God. No one else. Because complaining about other people is dishonoring. Go to them. The Bible says go to them, right? That's honor. To go to them. To watch our words. Because that will stop the presence of God. I know it does in my life. Because I'm not perfect at that. I know I can, I can tell when I start talking and, and the presence of God just kind of goes down. So, one who loves others. Number three, one who honors righteousness. Now, in, in the psalm, it's, it's kind of hard to make the transition from loving others, and it says despising the vile person. And I like to look at this in comparison with honoring those who fear the Lord. You know, we can love people who do wrong, and we should. You need to love everyone and love them. 
That means you're going to reach out to them. That means you're going to go after them. You're going to tell them the truth. You're going to speak words of love to them. You're not going to condemn them. You're not going to um, um, tear them down in any way, but you're going to love them. We can love people who do wrong, and we should. Jesus gave that example to us on the cross where he looked down at the people who just crucified him and beat him and says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Most people would have been cursing him. But Jesus said, forgive them. So he's our, he's our model. But we can love people who do wrong, but it doesn't mean that we, they have to have a place of honor in our lives. We don't have to value what they do. Because whoever you value... You're going to become like. So we're to love righteous so much that we emulate it, those who emulate those who display it. You know, obviously Jesus is our model in this, but there are people who, who, who display righteousness in certain areas of their life. There's some who love their spouse very well. So we honor them for loving their spouse. So, some, someone else will be for caring for the needy. We honor those who care for the needy. Someone who values truth and, and uh, loves the, the word. And we, we honor those people. And other ones are, who are chasing after the things of God and who are going after the things of God. We honor those people. Now, we don't honor people who do things wrong. We love them. But honoring is a different thing because we want to emulate what they do. Honoring those who model righteousness will help us lead us into the presence of God. So it's one who honors righteousness. Do you honor righteousness? Let me, let me ask you this, this way. Where do you spend most of your time in your life? What do you spend most of your time doing? will depend on what you honor. So if you, you're work, you find someone who's working on their, who's good at their marriage, you're going to get around them. If you find someone who's good in prayer because you need to be better at prayer, you're going you're to get around them. You, you find somebody who, who is good at uh, righteousness and, and has defeated sin in their life, you're going to get around them. You're going to find people who, who are like that because you're going to honor them. It's good to do that. A lot of times, us as Christians, we, we honor more people that's on TV and in movies and, and music than anybody else. Amen. <laughs> that, was, that was so perfect. I love that. No, 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 no. <laughs> Can you keep that going? I'll flow with it. <laughs> oh, I wish. That was so great. I got to do that second service somehow. Anyway, um, so we honor righteousness. Do you understand that? You spend time emulating those things of righteousness. Because what you honor, what you value, you're going to emulate every single time. So number four, the fourth uh, attitudes of the heart, the attributes of the heart that we need to have is one who values commitment. Now, this is a tough one. God is a God of promise and a God of fulfillment. God enjoys making promises to his people and fulfilling them because they're an anchor to our faith. And he loves it when we when we, when we stand on the promises of God, no matter what the circumstances, he loves that. He loves that. Therefore, we, we become, when we want to become like God, we have to do the same. 
It's important for us to keep our commitments. And in this country, that's not an important thing anymore. You keep your commitments. You pay your bills on time. That's just good. Thank you, Sean. That's good. And if you and you make a mistake, you own it. Said, I'm sorry, and you repent. And then you move forward. If you I I, I personally have never been late on a payment. Never. I mean, something that my, my dad has always pushed into us financially. You, you have, he was a business owner. He understood that. Never, I've never been late, except for one time. And it's because um, Lisa had opened, and it's not Lisa's fault, um, so I'm not playing. <laughs> it's Mother's Day. It's not Lisa's fault at all. She had opened up an account at Macy's to get like 10% off. I don't know what it was. Well, somehow, my mom and dad had an account there, and they had, they had been living with us uh, in the summertime, but all their mail came to us, and, uh, and they, had, they had moved. And, um, and so they moved to Texas, built a house in Texas, and uh, um, for some reason, Apking is not a, last name is not a, a, a normal name out there. You don't have many of them. And so they sent her bill to my mom and dad. And my mom and dad, I don't know what they did. They just, they never told us. And they never paid it. At least they could have paid it, you know, but that's another thing. So we got, we were late. And so I was, I run a credit report. And to see, just to, you know, protect your credit. You should do that, by the way. And, uh, and I saw there's, a, I, mean, I have great, I have great credit. And I went, oh my goodness, what happened? And I looked at there, and there was a, a thing on our credit thing that we were late and have not paid a bill. And so I get on the phone. I, I find all this, and, and the first thing I do is says, I am sorry for not paying. Even though it wasn't completely our fault. It, but in the case, we did know we bought something at Macy's, and we just forgot about the bill. So in a sense, it was more, it was our fault for not paying. So I apologize. You have to own it. There are times that I'm, I'm not perfect, and I, I, if, if long as I make, when I make an appointment, it's in my phone, I'm usually there. But sometimes I didn't put it in my phone, and I'm late, and I am so sorry. I don't make excuses. I am so sorry for being late. You have to own it. We have to keep our commitments. We'll show up when we say we will be somewhere. We'll honor the commitments that we tell people. And you're not going to be perfect because no one is here. But you've got to own it when you're not perfect. God loves that. He loves that. And we need to value our commitments. We have to hold it. If we're going to be like God, that's, that's great. When you're not like that and you're always making excuses and you're, you're, ne- you're always late or you never show up and everything, people can't trust you. And then if you're not faithful with something that's little like that, how can God trust you with more? And it really stops, really, the presence of God from moving in your life. And you need to get over that. And you need to change that in your life. Amen? Amen? Amen. So it's one who values commitments because God does. Number five, the last one, is one 
who values people. Now, this kind of reiterates number two, but the difference is we may love people, but do we love them enough to cost us something? You know, in the last couple of verses, it encourages us to love people more than money. Do we love people enough to cost us something? To go out of our way? To make room in our time, in our schedules? Are you willing to take a loss financially and in your time? That's the two biggest things here in America. To go after people and love them. You have to ask yourself the question. Because that's really showing love. Is by opening up your doors. Open up your life to other people. These are doorways to seeing people like God sees them. And this is how we enter into God's heart and his presence. By do we love people enough to cost us? So you have to ask yourself, am I doing that? Because it takes time to be a part of a small group. But God wants to use you in that small group. It takes time to go out of your way and talk to someone about Jesus. It, it may cost you something. It takes it takes it costs you something to give for the kingdom. So it's your time and money. Are you loving people enough where it costs you something? Are you willing to give up a Sunday once a month to serve people? Are you willing to give up your time on a Thursday, the first Thursday of every month to come and, and feed a, help feed a group of people to give them food? Or to work down at the mission? Are you willing to give up your time to help a teacher in your school where your kids go to school? It's, it's, it's going to cost us. You understand that? So one who values people means it's costing you something. And when you do that and you're faithful with that, I mean, God just gives out and you just start feeling the presence of God. You know, I feel the presence of God more in serving people than in my prayer time. How can that be? I feel God in my prayer times and my worship times. Don't get me wrong. But there's something that rises up inside of me when I start loving people. When I start giving to people, when I start serving people, when I start meeting with people, I, that's just something. God loves that. Because love to Him is showing that you love what He loves. See, God wants to come into you to change you, but it's got to move out of you. And when you're faithful, God says, you're being like me. You think it costs God something to get us back to Him? Cost him everything. So it's one who values people. And whoever does these things, what? Will never be shaken. Why is that? Because the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, you're in it all the time. Amen? See, it's not just about what you know. It's about who you know. It's about what you're doing for him. That you're living and becoming like him. 
And I love that. So let's be people who loves the truth, who loves others by honoring them with our words and our actions, who honors righteousness and emulates righteous people and Jesus himself, who values our commitments and who values people because it's costing us something. And we get the ability by the Holy Spirit to sit at the feet of Jesus and honor him. And we get this empowerment to do those five things by doing what Mary did, gazing at the Lord, giving our time to him, and allowing him to speak to us, to speak in us. We worship him and love him, and we go out and do what he says. Amen? I love that. His presence is so important. Amen. Bow your heads.